What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 92, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC Fight Night card going down this Saturday afternoon, headlined by Paul Felder versus Dan Hooker. This 13-fight card will take place in Auckland, New Zealand, with all 13 fights taking place on ESPN+. The seven prelim fights will start at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, with the six main card fights starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, so it should be a hell of a car going down from New Zealand this weekend. Really looking forward to it. Got a cracker of a main event, and uh, we're going to start things off in the prelims like we always do. First fight of the night is in the women's flyweight division. We have Shayna Dobson, who is 3-3, taking on Priscilla Cachoeira, who is 8-3. The opening betting line for this fight was Cachoeira minus 170 to Dobson plus 140. Since then, the line has flipped. We are now seeing Dobson minus 220 to Cachoeira at plus 180. So crazy opening line in this one. Uh, the line has completely flipped. A ton of action came in on Dobson. Can't say I blame the, the public. Um, scooping up that plus money on Dobson was definitely a good bet. Where it's at now in the minus 200 range, I'd definitely say that it's dog or pass, even though I do think Dobson should win the fight. Um, I won't put too much analysis into this one because I believe this is as low level as the UFC really can get. This is uh, Cachoeira's fourth fight in the UFC. She's lost all three of the first three. Dobson's been struggling a lot lately too I mean they're on like a five fight losing streak combined and um, you know it's 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 not a it won't be a good fight it'll be a sloppy kickboxing match Cachoeira is pretty comfortable on those she's been in a few lately she's not afraid to throw a lot of output get hit a lot her defense is awful she's like one of the most hit fighters in the UFC and Dobson should be the just a much better striker and the much more technical um, striker her boxing isn't bad and she should be landing the better cleaner punches and winning these rounds but I mean it's so low level that I definitely don't think you can be betting it uh, at where it's at now I'd say it's dog or pass where it's at now and Cachoeira could even make this fight a close decision uh, if it's that that type of low level brawl where they're just trading punches back and forth so the pick is going to be Dobson by decision not a confident one at all because this is so level low level and with that being said we're going to move on to the next fight in the welterweight division, we have Maki Pitolo, who is 12-5, taking on Takashi Sato, who is 15-3. The opening betting line for this one was Sato, the minus 170 favorite to Pitolo, plus 140. Right now, we are seeing Sato minus 135 to Pitolo, plus 115. So, line margins tightening up, Pitolo getting the more action of the two. And this one should be another fun fight, too. Uh, Patolo looked pretty rough in his debut. Uh, he was trading punches with Callum Potter on the feet, getting hit a lot himself. Eventually kind of gassed out a little bit and got taken down over and over again. And pretty much dominated on the canvas in rounds 2 and 3 versus Callum Potter. It was a close fight on the scorecards. Rounds 1 and 2 were both close rounds, but the rightful guy in Potter won that fight. Uh, Sato's last fight was uh, he got pretty much dominated by Bilal Muhammad. He was taken down a few times in that fight, outboxed, and eventually got his back taken and rear naked choked in the third round. But I think that Sato is the more technical fighter of the two. He seems to just 
you know he's a little more minimalistic you know he likes he knows his boxing is really his bread and butter and he doesn't uh you know get too overzealous throwing a lot of crazy combinations like patolo does patolo is very aggressive likes trying to knock guys out in round one but i mean he, he does have good boxing he does have fast hands he throws good combinations he digs to the body a lot but i honestly think he's a natural 155er i don't really know what he's doing at, at, at 170 but he's fought at upper weight classes his entire career. So I think that Sato being the bigger guy, uh, being the more technical puncher, is going to win him this fight. I think that uh, we'll just see uh, Sato land in the better, cleaner punches. Meanwhile, Patolo could be teeing off in combinations and, and tiring himself out again. But I think Sato will be counterpunching, landing the better uh, better punches. And we could even see a level change. Sato's got some pretty decent takedowns. He's got some uh, judo background. He can hit takedowns of his own. Uh, he actually even landed a brief takedown at the end of round two versus Bilal Muhammad, which is a really nice throw that he landed. So look for Sato to mix up the, the, the ground game to exploit that weakness of Batolo. It could be a close fight if the fight stays on the feet and these guys are trading back and forth. It's definitely a winnable fight for Batolo, but I'm going to side with Sato and pick him to win by decision. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Loma Lukmunmi, who is four and one, taking on Angela Hill, who is eleven and seven. The opening betting line for this one is Hill minus one eighty, Lukmunmi plus one forty. Right now, we are seeing Hill minus one seventy five to Lukmunmi at plus one fifty five. So. Actually, a lot of action has come in on uh, and or Loma Lookman me in the past um, few hours. Honestly, she um, Hill was down to minus two hundred uh, for certain periods of time, and now she's all the way up to minus one seventy five. So, this is going to be a great fight. I, I think this is my favorite fight on the card. It's going to be the closest thing to a, an actual Muay Thai fight that we've ever seen in the UFC. Loma, of course, comes from the Muay Thai background. She's a former world champion of Muay Thai over 200 300 fights in Thailand and is just making her transition to MMA had a great uh, UFC debut um, in her in her last fight versus uh, Albu she was able to just dominate the clinch in that fight um, she did get tagged with some punches though I mean I, I was a little bit worried about how she got hit with some punches on the way out of those clinch exchanges from Albu because Albu is not a good fighter. She's mostly power and strength, and she was still able to connect with some punches on Lukmanmi, and it's just because Loma's style is not punching-oriented. I mean, they just do not punch that much in Muay Thai. She probably made her career around the clinch. It's it's pretty obvious that she did. Her clinch game is so good. Her, her knees in the clinch and her elbows uh, are terrific, but she definitely lacks defense coming in and out of that clinch and that's not a good sign for mma because punches are much more common in mma those those four ounce gloves are way harder to adapt to than those 10 ounce gloves they use in muay thai and i think that that's going to be a big factor in this fight is angela hill is going to be the better puncher she's going to be landed the more significant punches of the two and it's going to be hard for loma to overcome that i mean she might have success in the clinch or i mean i like i think that she will she will be landing her knees and elbows as always but angela hill also comes from a muay thai background she has uh, an amateur uh, 15 amateur muay thai fights even a few pro muay thai fights i mean she really started in um 
in Muay Thai. She said the entire her entire career she's been sparring with Muay Thai with elbows, and she, you know she's ready for this type of fight. So it's actually a really bad matchup for Loma Lookman me because if you're thinking of all the women who have skill in the clinch, uh, Hill is probably one of the best ones, and that's gonna really negate Loma's big biggest uh, strength in this fight. So. I'm picking Hill in this one. I think she's got the, or I know she has the way more UFC experience, the way more experience against the better competition. Um, she's going to be a little bit bigger in there. She's been really active lately. One, the most active fighter in the UFC in the past 18 months. And I think that uh, coming off that, that two finishes in a row over Cyphers and uh, Carna Lasoli, her confidence is at an all-time high. She took this fight on short notice. She's confident in herself. I think she goes into New Zealand and um, puts on a great kickboxing fight with Loma and, and wins a decision pretty clearly. So it should be a great fight. I'm, I'm kind of upset that Loma, Loma will probably face her first loss this early in her UFC career because I was such a big fan of her first fight. She was supposed to fight like uh, Granger or Goldie or something like that, and she she would have dominated either one of those guys in the or, or girls in the clinch. Um, but I, I she'll be back, she'll improve a little bit, and this should be a really fun fight. I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, the pick is Hill by decision. The next fight takes place in the men's flyweight division. We have Kai Kara France, who is 20 and 8, taking on Tyson Nam, who is 18, 10, and 1. The opening betting line for this one was France, the favorite at minus 352, Nam plus 275. Right now we are seeing France minus 262, Nam plus 220. So more action coming in on Tyson Nam in this one. I'm sure there's two-way action in this one. I think the, the where the opening line was set was pretty accurate, and even where it's at now is pretty accurate. I, I just think that it's going to be real hard for Nam to win this fight because his UFC debut... Um, he, he showed that he has skill, he has technique, but he just looked a little tentative in that fight. He only landed 40 strikes versus Sergio Pettis. He looked a little bit scared to, to let go of his strikes, maybe had some uh, octagon jitters. And I think we will see a better performance out of Nam here. It's just uh, still hard to picture Nam uh, having the output uh, and the volume to beat Kyrie France, especially in, in his. Uh, I don't. I think he's Australian, but you know, anytime the if it's an Australian or New Zealand fighter, they're gonna have an advantage in this fight because the crowd is gonna be so loud uh, for for these guys when they're when they're fighting. I mean, Kyrie France, that's evident. I mean, he fought Holyon Paiva in Australia, probably should have lost that fight, and, and was was given a decision. Uh, in his home country so very possible that happens again in this fight if it's a close fight and it's even you gotta side with the judges giving it to the hometown guy in France but I like this matchup other than that I mean I, I just think that France is the, the more complete fighter I mean he, he knows uh, what he needs to do a little bit more Nam has gl uh, glimpses of, of knockout power like he's got uh, head kick knockouts and overhand right knockouts and uh, he does have that power in his punches but he just doesn't have a very consistent offense he doesn't have very good game plans where um, he can consistently win fights and it's going to be hard to beat uh, France because his takedown defense is not bad he's got uh, good offensive grappling as well his boxing is good and he can go that full three rounds although he does tend to slow down a bit in round three so 
And I mean, France, I think, lost his last fight to Brandon Marino. He got pretty much outclassed by Marino. A lot of a lot of people thought he was going to win that fight, but he just ran into an athlete in Marino, and, and that gave him his first loss in a while, first loss in the UFC. So I think Kaikara France bounces back in this one. I think Nam will look a little bit better than he did versus Pettis, but still ultimately lose a decision in this one. It should be a fun fight between the two flyweights. I'm expecting some fun striking exchanges between the two, but I got to side with Kaikara France to, to win a decision in this one so the pick is uh Kaikara France the next fight takes place in the welterweight division we have Callan Potter who is 18 and 8 taking on Keenan Song who is 15 and 5 the opening betting line for this one was Song the favorite at minus 285 to Potter plus 225 right now we are seeing Song minus 200 to Potter at plus 170 so more action coming in on Callum Potter rightfully so I think the where that initial line was set it was it was a bit too high and basically on the feet in this one I think that the song should be the better striker Patolo's or uh, excuse me Potter's defense is, is just really bad I mean that fight versus Patolo was a miracle he didn't get knocked out in and I mean he was knocked out by Jalen Turner pretty easily before that but I mean the guy just willingly eats shots has no boxing defense and when he is trading in the pocket the man's feet are completely still and he squares up on the attack I mean he is in serious danger of getting knocked out pretty much any time he's standing on the feet. But Song, not really the type of knockout power type of guy. I mean, I don't think he really has any knockouts in the UFC. More of a, a volume fighter to, to win decisions. And, I mean, he's kind of been struggling with that. Actually, he does have a few knockouts. So I, sh I could be, or I was wrong about that. But his past few fights have been decisions, uh, lost the decision to Morono, got out-volumed in that one. And Derek Krantz, I mean, he might have gotten lucky winning that, that decision against Krantz because he struggled a lot in that fight. Uh, he got taken down a few times, really struggled getting off of his back versus uh, Derek Krantz. And even on the feet, wasn't like dominantly winning the exchanges uh, to... to clearly decide that he was going to win that fight, which is why the decision was so close, but he did win that one. Uh, that fight did take place in China too. So, um, basically, Potter has a chance to win this fight if he gets the takedowns. I mean, his ta his offensive takedown game is not great. He does have a decent top game, decent jujitsu, but not a very positionally sound grappler. I can't really rely on him. If if he had a, a great top game, good better takedowns, and would stay, on, I knew he would t get takedowns and stay on top and and just exploit that that weakness of Song. I think I would probably be looking to bet him here, but. With the fact that he is just not really a positionally sound grappler, he had a few submission attempts on the Patola where he slipped off the back or went for a sloppy uh, guillotine or something like that and, and put himself in bad positions. So I think that Song um, will probably get taken down, but I don't think Potter can do enough damage and do, get enough control from the top position to win the rounds and win the fight. And when the fight's on the feet, I think that Song will probably just be winning the exchanges by landing the better sh shots. But, I mean, Potter's going to be aggressive. He's going to be coming forward. He's going to be looking for that takedown. And, I mean, with a guy who doesn't have good output like Song is, is not, the, not the most 
uh, effective striker. I mean, Potter has every potential to make this fight very close and possibly even win. So it's definitely a dogger pass where it's at now. I don't see any reason to be laying that chalk on Song. I mean, maybe he comes out here and blasts Song or blasts Potter with a punch. He gets an early knockout and looks minus 200, but. Other than an early knockout, I just I have a hard time seeing Song uh, put together a really complete performance where he looks like that minus 200 favorite. So the pick in this one will be Song by decision, but it's Dogger Pass all day, and be careful uh, betting Song at minus 200. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Jake Matthews, who is 15-4, taking on Amil Mick, who is 9-4. The opening betting line for this one was Matthews, the favorite, at minus 240 to Emil Mick at plus 190. Right now, we are seeing Matthews minus 200, Mick plus 170. So, more action coming in on Emil Mick in this one, uh, although there is two-way action coming in here. Uh, Mick is coming off of that long layoff. I think it's been well over two years since he fought last. Let's figure out the, the last time he did. Um... It was in uh, July of 2018, so about a year and a half off. He's coming off of a few decision losses to Usman and Fabinski, where he really struggled with the wrestling and the takedown top game with those guys. But he, he makes you work for takedowns. He's not easy to take down. He's not easy to hold down. He likes exploding back up to his feet. Very strong, powerful guy. And in terms of on the feet in this one, I, I mean... Meek doesn't really have a great striking, but I mean, he comes forward, he has good pressure, and he, he throws a lot. And that's really how he outstruck Jordan Meehan. Is he was actually able to take down Jordan Meehan in that one, keep top position for some time, and just march him down on the feet and just be more aggressive and throw more. And that's how he won the striking in that one. So that could that he could do that again here versus Matthews because on the feet in this one these guys are both you know strong reckless fighters they both don't have the best IQ and on the feet it should be actually a pretty close matchup <clears throat> I actually think that if the one if the fight stays in the feet it likely looks a lot closer than the odds indicate because Matthews just isn't that, that great of a striker. I mean, he can wing an occasional powerful right hand and drop uh, Lee Jingling with it a few times, but uh, he also can just hit takedowns and coast from top position from time to time. He's just a really hard fighter to rely on. He does a lot of uh, variable things in when he's fighting, so that's why this fight's hard to p predict um, because they're, they're, they match up kind of similar. They're both str strong, brute force type of guys who are pretty well-rounded, uh, and they have decent striking and grappling but i think matthews is just the more complete fighter i think that he has uh the better physicality of the two uh, i think that i mean we, we've seen matthews gas out a little bit while we really haven't seen that from mick but i mean we've seen mick lose fights very very decisively before that fight with fabinski i mean he just couldn't stop the takedowns in those fights he really struggles with takedown defense and i think that if the striking isn't going well then matthews should start level changing should hit takedowns and should win from top position so i just think matthews has more ways to win this fight and that's why i'm going to pick him by decision but i do think it's dogger pass i think that matthews is hard to trust at this price no matter who the opponent and um i think this fight could be a lot closer if uh, matthews uh you know fights like he typically does where he's making bad decisions so the pick is matthews by decision and uh, dogger pass in the betting window the next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Jalen Turner, who is 8-5, taking on Joshua Kulibau, who is 8-0. Opening betting line for this one was Turner, the favorite, at minus 142, Kulibau plus 100. Right now, we are seeing Turner minus 210, to Kulibau plus 175. So, 
I actually think that was a pretty terrible opening betting line uh, for Turner at minus 140. I mean, I, I mean, Koulibaly does not deserve that plus 100. I mean, even where the line is at now, I think there might be a little bit of value on Jalen Turner because, I mean, he just has a good matchup here. Uh, Koulibaly, I believe, is a former uh, featherweight moving up to lightweight pretty recently he's a regional fighter doesn't have many uh, good wins on his record a lot of his opponents are pretty low level and it just seems like he's an obvious uh, local prospect who they brought in to you know beef up the card for locals maybe turner's opponent fell out or something like that but there's not too much footage of Bow online um it's, it's i mean he seems primarily like a boxer he can hit takedowns from time to time but i just haven't seen enough from his top game and, and or nor his striking to think that he can really compete with turner i, I mean in the striking actually i think that turner will be will be quite better actually uh, he has the, the long reach. Uh, he's got a lot of length behind him. He's got good straight punches. He can use his, his uh, long kicks and knees pretty well as, uh, in addition to that. So I think the coolie bow on the feet will likely be getting outstruck pretty cleanly here. Uh, he'll probably go for like an early knockout and just, you know, try to get Turner out of there early and, and please the crowd. But I think he'll probably be met with uh, Turner's clinch. He'll slow him down and Turner should just wear him down over time. I mean, I guess Koulibau has a, a chance at landing takedowns and getting top position, maybe even a submission because Turner has struggled with takedowns before, like in the Frivola fight. But I mean, he showed some decent defensive grappling in that fight. He was able to get back up to his feet a few times. And uh, I mean, he also did get kind of lucky by Frivola going for a lot of sloppy submissions like a guillotine a few times. And I mean, if Turner was facing a really sound positional grappler um, and could take him down over and over again and keep top position, he would be in trouble. But I don't really think that's who Koulibaly is. Uh, I think that uh, he will attempt takedowns, but probably just won't keep Turner down long. And Turner might even land a knockout as this fight goes. So I think Turner wins the striking in this fight. He stays off his back. And I'm going to pick Turner by knockout as the prediction. Moving on to the first fight on the main card in the featherweight division, we have Zuberia Tukhunov, who is 18-4-1, taking on Kevin Aguilar, who is 17-2. The opening betting line for this one was Tukhunov, the minus 150 favorite to Aguilar, plus 120. Right now, we are seeing Zuberia minus 105, Aguilar minus 115, so it's a near pick'em line right now, Aguilar has been getting way more steady action, actually the, the early action came in heavy on Aguilar, pushed him to a favorite, and now a little bit more action is coming in on Zuberia the past uh, few weeks, and man, what a, what a great fight, really looking forward to this one, and uh, Zuberia first fight in the UFC uh, took place first fight in three years was uh, back in Abu Dhabi in September it was a draw versus Leron Murphy he, he started good in round one dropped Murphy with a punch was able to land takedowns to keep top position but he gassed out real bad in round two started um, desperately shooting for takedowns and just laying and praying on top in rounds two and three, Murphy was landing all the good strikes and the feet in that one, and even some good strikes from the bottom on the ground, and Zuberia was just desperately going for takedowns. He was just so tired. There's rumors that he had staph infection. There's, of course, the the uh, the, the fact that the arena was 95 degrees that day or something like that, but I mean, I don't think you can take those excuses too much into consideration. I mean, Tuhunov was coming off of uh, a three-year layoff. 
and he his style is very wrestling heavy uh it's not completely out of the realm of possibilities that he would get tired coming off that long layoff with such a you know physically demanding game plan and i think that's what happened i mean i don't take too much stock into the heat or the um the staff infection rumors or, or whatever i mean his coach did say that he had it i mean but who knows people always have excuses when they lose or, or didn't get the win in his case like the draw um so this fight comes down to on the feet. I think that Aguilar will be the much better striker. He's got really good boxing. He uh, Tuhunov really all he does is just wing overhands and big hooks. He just goes for super power punches and doesn't really set anything up well. So on the in the striking, I think that Aguilar is the better striker um, by a pretty wide margin, and we should see him land punches pretty early in this fight. It really comes down to the takedowns of Zuberia versus the takedown defense of Aguilar. And Aguilar's takedown defense is actually really good. He's been shot on 16 times in the UFC by Barzola and um, by Ige and by Brick Glenn. And he stuffed 15 of 16 takedowns. It was only taken down once by Dan Ige. So he's got really good takedown defense. I mean, the, the performance he put on against Barzola was great. Just really good takedown defense in that, game, in that fight. And uh, he did get taken down by, by Joey Gomez on the Contender Series a few times. Got held down uh, for about 60, 90 seconds, two times in that fight by Gomez. So he is uh, able to get taken down. But I think his takedown defense has just gotten a lot better since that Contender Series fight. And it's, and it's shown in his fights. So... I actually think that this is a great matchup for Aguilar. He's got, I mean, he's used to fighting wrestlers at this point. And the, with the fact that Zubaria uh, struggled uh, really uh, getting any good offense up from top position versus Murphy. Like, he was getting the takedowns, but he was so tired that he couldn't pass guard. He couldn't land ground and pound. He couldn't go for any subs. And luckily, the, the judges saw that and awarded those rounds two and three to Murphy as he deserved. I mean, it could have been a it could have been a Murphy decision. I was happy with the draw, betting Murphy in that fight at two two or three to one. I forget what it was. Um, I was just happy with the fact that I got my money back in comparison because it was such a close fight, and the judges easily could have given it thirty twenty seven to Zuberia. Lazy judges who award top position really heavily could have given that fight three zero to Zuberia, but. They gave that uh, the fight. Uh, uh, one judge gave it a draw. One judge gave it to Murphy. One judge gave it to Zuberia. So great judging on display in that one, and uh, hopefully that that comes into play here because. <clears throat> if Zuberia gets takedowns, I think that he won't do much with them. Uh, Aguilar will probably bounce back to his feet, and Aguilar will go right back to landing the better strikes, and Zuberia will probably start tiring a little bit, going for that those takedowns over and over again. So I'm going with Aguilar in this one. Uh, I've been a pretty big fan of the guy since he's gotten the UFC and I think that this is a really good matchup for him I think if he's able to stay off of his back stuff those takedowns like he typically does I mean he should win this fight easily because outside of a big uh, loopy punch that drops him on the feet from Zuberia I think that the the striking will go uh, heavily in favor of Aguilar and Zuberia will be pretty lost without those takedowns so the pick in this one is Aguilar to win by decision the next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Magomed Mustafaev, who is 14 and 3, taking on Brad Riddell, who is 7 and 1. 
The opening betting line for this one was Mustafaev, the favorite, at minus 425 to Brad Riddell at plus 325. Right now, we are seeing Mustafaev minus 130 to Brad Riddell at plus 110. So that could be a line error. I'm seeing plus 160 is where the line started on on five dimes. And I'd say probably bet online opened uh, Brad Riddell up at plus 325. Yeah, so... That line likely existed for only a few seconds, but terrible opening line by the odds maker at, at, at Bet Online. I mean, I actually think that you can make a case for Riddell being the favorite in this fight because uh, Mustafa is impressive. He is an athlete. He's a total freak strength, you know, brute strength type of athlete, and it, it showed in that last fight versus. Uh, Fiziev. I mean, he landed a spinning back kick on the guard of Fiziev and still knocked him out. Uh, and it was just a crazy performance. It was coming off of a two or three year layoff too. So, I mean, Mustafaev's got crazy power on the feet. His spinning back kicks are a dangerous technique, and his boxing technique isn't isn't anything special. But he does have a uh, good good knees to the body, good good kicks to the body. I mean, he de- it looks like he comes from like maybe a Sanda background, similar to Muslim Salikov, and just has extremely powerful kicks. But uh, he has gotten taken down. He got dominated on the mat versus uh, Kevin Lee. And uh, we just haven't seen much from uh, Mustafaev lately. I mean, he's gotten a few first-round finishes, like versus Fiziev and Proctor. But, uh, I mean, we haven't seen his overall skill. We haven't seen him out of the first round in so long that it's hard to get a feel for the guy. And uh, Riddell, on the other hand, made his UFC debut last fight against Malarkey crazy fight where he was really beating the pulp out of Malarkey for most of that fight but they get taken down a few times they get his back taken one time in round three but for the most part just was doing so much damage on Mustafa or on uh, Malarkey he was dropping him on the feet and he was digging those punches to the body I mean he's got really good boxing a lot of power behind it and he throws combinations he digs to the body well he's got good takedown defense and he trains over at city kickboxing one of the best gyms in the world right now in australia with the two champions adesanya volkanovsky uh hooker kai car france he's got incredible training partners uh and they're all in camp right now they're all on this card and basically, I think that Mustafaev, we haven't seen enough from him lately to think that he should be the favorite here. I mean, we've seen some quick knockouts from him, but I don't hold too much stock in them because we haven't seen his overall game. And I think that uh, if this fight gets out of the first round, if we don't see Mustafaev just able to blast Riddell on the feet with kicks like he has his past few opponents, who knows what to expect from Mustafaev? It's been so long since we've seen him struggle in a fight like that. So, I think that Riddell's boxing will be the will be better of the two. I think that his uh, the advantage he has will will actually could edge the striking for him because if Riddell is getting into the pocket, he's getting into boxing range, and he's not giving Mustafaev the room to kick. I think that Riddell should definitely be winning the striking exchanges, and. Both guys can hit offensive takedowns and are, are definitely better offensive grapplers than defensive, I'd say. So we might see either guy look to level change at time to time to edge close rounds. And I just think that Riddell has been more active over the past few years. He's um, had... Uh, got that full 15 minute fight in versus malarkey where we've got to see his, his full arsenal of skills and training at city kickboxing that's a huge advantage being at home for this fight and i think that uh that that's that's enough reason for me to think that riddell is is a good bet at, at plus money have not bet him yet actually i'm just sort of picking him to win the fight i actually think he wins by knockout because i mean malarkey was 
pretty crazy to not get knocked out in that fight. I mean, he ate some massive, massive shots. I just see this one being a brawl in round one. I think Mustafaev comes out aggressive, and uh, Riddell just sits down on his punches and hurts uh, Mustafaev. We could see Mustafaev get uh, one of those, another kick knockout, another spin kick knockout or body kick or something like that too. So it should be a crazy fight while it lasts. I don't see this one going the distance. I see someone get knocked out in this one, and I actually think that Riddell's going to land the knockout with punches. So the pick is Riddell, and uh, might look to lock in a bet on him at plus money. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Marcos Hogeria de Lima, who is 16-6-1, taking on Ben Sassoli, who is 7-2. The opening betting line for this one was de Lima, the favorite, at minus 152, Sassoli plus 120. Right now we are seeing... Delima minus 140 to Sassoli plus 120. So line staying just about the same in this one. Uh, not too much action coming in on either side. It's a hard fight to bet because I think that Delima is the better fighter everywhere. I mean, I think that on the feet, he's got more, better technique on, on the ground. He is... 100% got the better technique. I mean, he can hit takedowns. He can hit top, uh, keep top position, pass guard. I mean, he took down, or he actually rocked Stefan Struve with a punch in the first three seconds of their fight. Stayed on top for five minutes. Might have gassed out a little bit after that. Um, and then got taken down in round two. Got his guard pass, got smashed on the bottom, and eventually got submitted by Stefan Struve. Kind of a weird performance from him because. In his fight before that versus uh, with Chorchek, he was able to um, do good work from, from all aspects. I mean, he landed the better strikes versus with Chorchek. He showed some good clinch game, wearing out with Chorchek, and then eventually was landing takedowns, keeping top position. I mean, he really showed a, a well-rounded game in that fight. He, he fought the full 15 minutes and, and won that fight very decisively. Um, versus Adam Machorchek. Now you got Sassoli over here, who is just uh, another another regional uh, Aussie heavyweight, just like Taito Yavasa, just like Justin Taffa. I mean, these guys don't have much technique. They're just brawlers. They like getting in cages and, and fighting. And Sassoli doesn't seem to have much uh, takedown defense. Doesn't seem to have know what jujitsu is much at all. And really just throws punches on the feet without much technique. And I mean, you, you saw in that fight versus Greg Hardy. I mean, it was he really didn't know what to do. It was a staring contest for the most part. Barely, each guy's or both guys barely threw anything in that fight. It was, I mean, I guess it was a, a feather in his cap to go the full 15 minutes. But I mean, Sassoli showed nothing in that fight. Honestly, showed nothing. And I mean, I guess he showed that he could compose himself a little bit and not get crazy and go for the knockout. I guess that's a good sign. But I mean, in this fight here, I think Lima should uh, win the fight wherever it goes on the feet. It could be a little shaky. And on the feet is enough reason to to maybe not bet Lima because. You know, even though uh, Lima should have a massive advantage on the ground, should be able to hit takedowns, keep top position, just like Juan Adams should have been able to versus Tafa. But on the feet, it gets close. And, you know, Adams did not shoot takedowns in the fight, was fooling around on the feet, gets dropped and knocked out. And that could happen here. If Lima fools around on the feet instead of chasing that takedown, he gives Sassoli his only path to victory, which is a knockout. So I don't think Sassoli can win on the scorecards. I don't think he can win uh, by submission, of course. 
I think uh, a knockout in the first maybe five minutes is Sassoli's only path to victory, and Lima should run away with it afterwards. So uh, I think that Lima should be hitting takedowns, should be dominating from top position, and uh, maybe even we'll get a submission along the line, uh, along the way here. So I, I think it's more likely that Lima just lays and prays in top position and wins the decision here. So the pick is going to be Lima, and uh, it's going to be by decision, and might even have to eye a bet at, at minus 140 because I honestly think that he's the way better fighter ever. Everywhere. and besides an early knockout on the feet from Sassoli he he will not lose this fight so pretty confident in Lima it's just, he's just hard to lay that that minus 150 on the next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Karolina Kovalkiewicz who is 12 and 5 taking on Yan Shannon who is 11 and 1 the opening betting line for this one was Shannon, the favorite at minus 182, Carolina at plus 150. Right now, we are seeing Yan Shannon minus 265 to Carolina Kovacavich at plus 225. So, way more action coming in on Yan Shannon, and rightfully so. I mean, it's mostly a fade of Carolina at this point, I'm pretty sure, because Carolina has just looked dire in his, her past two fights. I mean, maybe even three fights. I mean, she's just not looked the same lately. Uh, she's been rumored about uh trying to start a family for a long time now and is that's always kind of in the back of her mind but carolina is two and five in her past seven fights now she is fighting really good competition and still tends to beat the the lower level competition like uh jody esquibill and felice herrig but uh andrage knocked her out waterson dominated her took her down over and over again and michelle or alexa grasso just boxed her up and she showed nothing in, in any of those fights i mean she looked like a shell of her former self you got to question what the motivation is behind her fighting uh seeing a lot of people questioning whether she could be just fighting for one more paycheck just getting the last fight out of this contract but that's an entirely uh, real possibility. And just other than that, though, I just don't like this fight for her because Shannon is the better kickboxer. Um, she had a real close kickboxing fight with Angela Hill. Rounds two and three of those fights were really close, and she had good volume. Round one, she barely threw anything, almost got caught in a triangle. But in round two, she really picked up her output and gave Hill a tough fight. Actually won that fight by decision, although I think that Hill deserve that decision winning rounds one and three but it was a really close fight regardless and uh, i just think that jan will be the better kickboxer here she ha she'll have the better output uh she's got really good side kicks and head kicks that could be a problem for carolina carolina's clinch game that was really her her best attribute has kind of evaporated in the past few fights and i just really see carolina having a hard time winning this fight here unless she uh, severely ramps up her her volume out of nowhere and her output and she's ready to have a high output kickboxing match to beat Jan here uh, other than that though I mean I do I see Jan winning this one by decision I think her volume and her technique will be just too much for Carolina and the people coming in early on that Jan uh, money line were probably getting a good line but where it's at now it's definitely dogger pass maybe some parlay material for for Jan but I would not be laying that huge chalk on Jan in this spot so the pick is Jan by decision the next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division we have Jimmy Crute who is 10 and 1 taking on McCall Olachechuk who is 14 and 3 the opening betting line for this one was McCall minus 150 to Crute plus 120. Right now we are seeing McCall minus 125 to Crute plus 105 so more action coming in on Crute's way in this one, and, and I agree with that line movement. 
this should be a really close fight, and I, I'm a little bit more of a McCall disbeliever than a lot of the people out there. He seems to be actually kind of a fan favorite, which is pretty surprising to me. I mean, the dude has pretty nice boxing, but in terms of technique, I mean, I don't think his boxing is anything special. I mean, the light heavyweight division, is, is the skill level is pretty low, and anyone who's really throwing punches can be considered a good boxer, but I mean... His technique in, in the hands, I mean, it's not good. I mean, he, he is just, he wings punches. He overextends a lot. I mean, he, he does dig to the body very well. I, I'll, I'll say that's probably his best attribute is the body punches. It's actually how he scored a, a, a one-punch knockout over John Vellante. Just a well-placed liver shot and just put him out of there. And in the boxing range, uh, Ola Cheshuk should be the better striker. I mean, he, but Crew is just aggressive and powerful and i mean if he's coming forward and throwing i mean it's it's hard to, to outstrike crude sometimes and he actually showed a really nice counter right hand versus sam alvey dropped alvey and eventually uh finished up with some ground and pound for the tko finish so I mean, Crute is no joke on the feet either. I mean, he's so powerful and aggressive that if this one's on the feet, then I don't think it's a it's a sure thing that Ola Chechuk is winning uh, the striking. And now on the ground, uh, I give the advantage to pretty heavily to Crute there. I mean, Ola Chechuk showed some major weakness on the ground versus OSP. I mean, he got taken down by OSP and basically got caught in osp's bread and butter submission the submission that that the osp choke i mean it's pretty much named after him at this point uh, and he still managed to get von flu to buy osp and he, he looked like he guessed out pretty bad in that one he went real hard for the finish early he dropped osp early but when osp was still standing in round two mccall wilted a little bit he was started to get outstruck by osp in round two then got double leg taken down and submitted so it was a bad performance from Ola Chechuk. He was like a minus 300 favorite in that fight and still mushed pretty hard. And it seems like people are still pretty willing to trust him, which I don't get, man. I think the crew, his athleticism, his power, I mean, and his ground game can really win him this fight. I mean... Crew doesn't have the type of ground game where he's going to hit takedowns and keep top position, but he, he is a really smart grappler on the ground in some, in some in some weird ways. I mean, he got taken down by Paul Craig over and over again, but still found a way to reverse position every time. He would land a sweep or he would just explode. He'd land a bump and roll sweep. These basic sweeps, um, basic jujitsu sweeps that Craig was land or the crew was landing on Craig. I mean, they were impressive. Uh, he's just I mean, I think it's mostly power. I mean, he's just so physical and such an athlete that he can explode his way out of certain positions. And he tried doing that versus uh, Serkinov in his last fight and got caught with a Peruvian necktie. It was a beautiful Armin guillotine modified necktie, whatever kind of choke. And But if Krut would have escaped that choke, I mean, I honestly think that he would have started wearing on Serkinov. Serkinov would have started feeling the, the pressure of, of Krut. And eventually, Krut would have probably taken over and started to win that fight. But uh, So, Krut isn't the most reliable takedown guy. But once it gets to the floor, I have no question that he will be able to outgrapple Ola Chechuk. So, on the feet, slight advantage to Ola Chechuk in this one. He's definitely got the better boxing. But I just think Krut is so aggressive. And if he comes out and throws solid output, I just don't think that Ola Chechuk has the, the boxing um, acumen to, to, to counterpunch Krut and to really get his boxing going and, and make himself look like a favorite here. And in the grappling, I think Krut could hit takedowns. We could see 
him looking to implement his first offensive grappling game plan here in the UFC. So I'm picking Jimmy Crute in this one. He's he's going to be in his hometown, or he's Aussie too. Same thing I was saying with Aussie New Zealand. He, he will have the crowd behind him. He, he's such an athlete in that cage that I, I actually think that he will out-athlete uh, McCall here and win this fight somehow. Uh, I'll go with, uh, uh, let's say, a TKO or maybe, uh, no, let's go with submission. I'll go with submission for Crute in round two, just like OSP got McCall with last fight so crew is the pick and we'll probably lock in on some action on him at plus money and in the main event of the evening in the lightweight division we got paul felder who is 17 and 4 taking on dan hooker who is 19 and 8 the opening betting line for this one was hooker minus 120 felder minus 120 a dead pick em even line set by the odds maker in this one right now we are seeing hooker minus 152 felder plus 130 so hooker getting a little more action the early action came in heavy on hooker uh, the late action bounced back a little bit on uh, felder we actually saw it go back to minus 120 minus 120 uh earlier in the week and now that late action is coming back in on hooker here and man what a great fight between these two the first main event, the first five-round fight between these two, or for both of these guys, and you know both of them deserve it. They both been winning some good fights lately. Uh, Felder works for the UFC; he's a great commentator. Hooker has been getting some some good finishes and is coming off of a, a nice win in his last fight over Ally Quinta. He's coming off of some finishes over James Vick, he knocked out Gilbert Burns, um, and Felder is coming off of avenging his loss uh, versus Barboza. He's coming off a decision victory versus uh, Vick as well. And, I mean, both of these guys are, 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 are fun strikers. They both produce entertaining fights. And I really don't see any way this fight could be boring. Besides the slight chance that maybe Felder adapts his game plan for five rounds and isn't as aggressive. Same with Hooker. I mean, these guys both could be a little more conservative uh, to how they usually fight due to the fight, the fact that this is five rounds. But I don't think that'll happen. I think they'll fight as they usually do. And they'll probably come out uh, looking to, to trade strikes on the feet right away. And uh, I think that Hooker is the better striker. I think I'm comfortable saying that now is because I think he's more effective with his boxing. He he will throw out his jab a lot more. He he lands his jab with a, a lot more consistency. And he, he occasionally sits down on his right hand. And I just think that Felder tends to, to throw full power into every punch. I mean, that fight versus Barboza, he was throwing the jab hook or jab straight uh, hook over and over again and he was just throwing it so hard and every punch was the was a hundred percent power and they weren't really landing meanwhile uh hooker is the type to throw his jab at 50 percent throw his jab at 50 percent and then sit down on his right hand at 100 percent and he's much more likely to land his punches while i think that Felder kind of just spams combinations. He throws that that loopy left hook a lot. I mean, he threw that a lot versus uh, Barboza, and it just wasn't really landing much. And he had, you know, good optics in that fight. He was walking down uh, Barboza. He was cutting off the cage well as the fight went on. But uh, he he was, uh, you know, both guys tend to struggle a little bit with body kicks at range. That could be a, a weapon that both of them look to exploit. Hooker definitely struggles with kicks more. The... Uh, 
the body kicks versus Barbosa really uh, lost him that fight. He just could not get in the boxing range, just kept getting stuck at kicking range and got kicked to death by Barbosa. That was actually his last loss uh, back in, I think, uh, early 2018 or late 2018 or something like that. Um, but since then, you know, Hooker has looked sensational. And uh, I think this should be a, a really close a striking battle on the feet. But I just think the hooker will be more effective with his punches. He will be landing the better strikes. I'm really interested to see how their kicking games match up. I mean, uh, hooker's got really good kicks. Uh, Felder's got good calf kicks that he likes digging to a lot. Felder's got great elbows. He throws elbows in, in, on the inside. And he throws the mad range, too. One of the few guys in the UFC who actively looks for long-range elbows, but Felder does it, and he does it well, and he tends to cut his opponents, but a, a bad thing for Felder is that he gets cut easily. He's gotten cut in a lot of his recent fights. He, he tends to bleed a lot. I mean, I think all three of his most recent fights, the Vic fight, the Barboza, and the, the Perry fight, I mean, he was bleeding pretty bad in all of those. And he, like in round one, of Barbosa, he got cut with a, a headbutt and ended up getting, uh, I think, a cut from somewhere else, too. He had two cuts on his head, and he could have won round one. It was a really close round, but, I mean, he's if you got two cuts on your head and you're gushing blood and it was a close round and your opponent doesn't have much blood on him, I mean, that's not good optics uh, for winning the rounds here. So... Uh, it should be a great fight. I'm really looking forward to this one. I, I don't think it'll be boring at all. I think these guys will come in here to crack. And I think they'll probably trade on the feet. And, and I see Hooker landing the better strikes consistently. And I think that uh, in the later rounds, maybe rounds three or four, we're going to start to see Felder slowing down a little bit, starting to see that damage accumulate. And we might even see a, a TKO stoppage from a cut or something like that, or just a swarm of punches from Hooker. So. The pick is in this one is going to be Hooker. I'm pretty confident in Hooker uh, in terms of the, the money line aspect. I think his chances of winning are around 65%. I'd say minus 200 is a pretty accurate line for him, minus 190, somewhere around there. And uh, I would be stoked to see Felder pull off the victory. You know, big fan of the guy, him being from Philadelphia and all, and him being a great commentator, a great personality. Uh, it would be a, a cool to see Felder win. I just think the advantages are slightly more in favor of Hooker here, uh, being uh, from his hometown. How, how, as I mentioned it before, that city kickboxing, I mean, Sometimes narratives around gyms are overrated. Oh, he trains at AKA. He trains with Daniel Cormier. He must be good. That's that's an overrated narrative. But when you're training at City Kickboxing and when when all these guys are in camp, Adesanya's got a fight coming up soon. Um, uh, Kaikar France is in camp. Uh, I'm sure Volkanovski's training nonstop with his boys. I mean, you got so much good talent. Brad Riddell's in camp. Uh, you so much good talent over at City Kickboxing. It's just going to be hard to beat any one of those guys uh, in this fight. So I'm picking France to win. I'm picking Riddell to win. I'm picking... Uh, uh, crew to win. I'm picking pretty much all the Aussies to win. I mean, it might be a recipe a recipe for disaster, but uh, I'm pretty confident in Hooker in this one, and I think he gets that late stoppage. So let's go with a fourth round TKO for Dan Hooker here, and it should be a great fight, and I'm really looking forward to it. So I don't think I have any bets locked in right now, although that minus 175 Angela Hill, I will probably bet that uh, right as the podcast wraps up. We'll likely end up on Brad Riddell and Jimmy Crute at plus money. Might even bet uh, Marcos DeLima at uh, minus 140 as well. So look out for uh, all my official bets on my bet MMA tips page. I will tweet that out later in the week. And uh, thank you to each and every person who is tuning in to this episode. I appreciate you all very much. 
much. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you all enjoyed the card this weekend, and I will see you all next week before UFC Northfolk. Peace.